like it's about 6.30 or a little after, so uh, we'll go ahead and we'll get started. We're going to be speaking on biblical leadership tonight, and I'm going to talk. We're going to have some room for interjections if y'all want to. If y'all want to, you know, talk a little bit, that'd be great. Uh, Barrett is going to talk a little bit about leadership at the end, and then Brent will close us at the end with a prayer. So we have many biblical examples of leaders among God's people throughout his inspired word. We're going to discuss some familiar uh, biblical leaders tonight and focus on the characteristics that made these men effective biblical leaders. Now, a leader can be defined as someone who inspires people to act. Another way to think of this is the concept of influence. Leadership is our ability uh, to influence the actions of others. So biblical leadership is our ability to influence the actions of others toward Christ. We all have the capacity to influence others, which makes us leaders. And as Christians, we should all be leaders. Not only the ones who hold the roles that are commonly thought of as leaders. I don't have to be the boss at work, the father of a family, an elder of a church, or the president of the United States to be a leader. When thinking of leadership as our, in, as our influence, I guess this could be a 50-50 proposition. We have a chance of being a positive leader or a negative leader based on our actions. One type of leader that has always inspired me is the servant leader, which of course Jesus is our greatest example of, and we're going to cover him later in the class, but just kind of be thinking along that line. As we discuss biblical leadership tonight, think about some of the leaders you've encountered in your life. If you're like me, some leaders have appeared in my life in the most unlikely places. Some leaders materialize just at the right moment when things seem to be all but lost. Do you have some examples of uh, people that have been good leaders? in your life? And this doesn't necessarily have to be a biblical leader. What characteristics defined that person as a leader to you? Anybody have anything? Uh, like you said, a servant leader. You know, somebody who uh, maybe who asks you to do a job, but uh, you know, they would be more than willing to do it themselves. They're not going to ask you to do something that they wouldn't do or that they wouldn't do more than. Exactly. Somebody willing to work alongside you? Anybody else? Absolutely. That's one I had listed. Someone willing to sacrifice. Someone who can be led themselves. Someone who cares about you or loves you. I think a true leader requires love. Have you been thrown into one of those situations where people were looking to you for leadership? Maybe you were pushed out of your comfort zone. 
Perhaps you were forced to act because people needed you to step up at that specific time. We'll discuss some of those biblical leaders tonight that found themselves in that very situation. The first one we're going to talk about is Noah. Noah found himself on an island, so to speak, with evil all around him. One of the leadership traits we see in Noah is that he did what was right even when he thought he was alone in an evil world. In Genesis 6, hold on just a second. In Genesis 6, humanity is overtaken by wickedness. And God is in despair about his creation. And God makes the ultimate decision to wipe man from the earth. But in Genesis 6, 9, we see the description of a man and of someone that was different than all the people that were around him. In Genesis 6, 9, it says Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God. Man, that's a powerful description, isn't it? It made an impact on me. Because God saw something in Noah that would show what we should strive to be, what we should strive to attain. We should be just men. You know, I thought and I reflected and I said, if only I could be described like that. If we were all alone, would we always do what is right? even when no one else is doing what's right. In Genesis 6 and 22, it says, Noah did according to all that God commanded. The wickedness around him did not deter him one bit from completing the task God had given him. Noah was a leader. His influence through his obedience to God caused his family to be saved from the flood. And ultimately... All of humanity was saved because of the, the decision Noah made to walk with God and to be a just man when everybody around him was doing things that they shouldn't be doing. I guess that shows us the importance of leading your family. Even when no one else is doing it when nobody else is leading their family. It should fall to us to lead our families. We should be those kind of leaders that Noah showed us to be. How does our example of obedience influence others? How do we influence the people around us? Absolutely. You know, we always hear actions speak louder than words, right? If they see you living that life, they're going to want to imitate what you're doing. If we're imitating Jesus or Noah, they're going to see the right example, right? So that's what we should do. If we, are, if we have the ability to influence others, we've got to take that advantage 
uh, advantage of that situation and, and do it. We can make a comparison to the world we live in today. We must follow Noah's leadership example and stay focused on God, be just men, and do all according to the commandments of God, even when the world around us seems to be getting further away from God's commandments. Regardless of our circumstances, let us lead by determining to keep away from the world's thinking and living that is against God's truth. Again and again in Scripture, we are warned not to be conformed to this world. Let's look at Romans 12, 2. Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's also read 1 John 2, 15 through 17. And it tells us, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. See if anyone have anything other to say about Noah and how he led? Well, not necessarily about Noah, but a leader also is submissive at times. He can serve. He doesn't have to always be pulling. He on top of the list. He, when he shows signs of leadership, when he shows submission to the Lord or his authority, whatever it might be, that's a, that's a sign of, of leadership. Absolutely. He must be willing to be led himself when the, the time presents itself. I agree. And we know from the New Testament that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So obviously he spoke things, but in the text in Genesis, we don't see Noah saying anything until right at the end of his life. If God says something, there's no response from Noah except to just do what God said. And over and over, God tells him to do something, he does it. And God tells him to do something, he does it. So you talk about that kind of uh, example, leading through example. Uh, with Noah, it's not the things that he says, it's the things that he does that shows who he is. Absolutely. It's that he did all that God Ask him to do. You can imagine, I heard a sermon where you can imagine the peer pressure and people laughing and talking and uh, them doubt, these people doubting him, but he, he was solid. Absolutely. He's the kind of person you want to be a friend to. Well, the next person we're going to talk about is Abraham. And as leaders, we must be ready to respond to situations even when the outcome seems uncertain or the situation requires for us to step out of our personal comfort zone. In Genesis 12:1, it says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and your father's house to a land that I will show you. God told him to leave his family 
his home, and all he knew to go to an unknown and uncertain place. Abraham's told to get out of his comfort zone. Have any of us really ever been in that same situation? I would say most of us never have been in that exact situation, but we've most likely been in that situation to some degree. Most of us have been asked to do something that requires us to be uncomfortable. I like to be comfortable but I cannot be an effective biblical leader by staying in my comfort zone all the time. I'm a little uncomfortable right now talking to men of your caliber and to the leaders I know that are in this room right now. makes me a little uneasy because I know most of y'all could probably do a way better job than I'm doing tonight. But I had to get out of my comfort zone. Reagan needed a teacher tonight, and I stepped up. I wasn't comfortable doing it because public speaking is something that scares me. But I did it, and I'm glad I did it because I probably got more out of this lesson than y'all are going to get out of it tonight, as I normally do in any class that I teach. What are some of the situations where we, we might be pushed out of our comfort zone? What do you think, Jacob? Uh, well, you know, there's a, a lot of them, and maybe not all of them. Well, I guess most of them do uh, have something to do with being a leader. I was thinking, you know, in high school, you're around your buddies, and, you know, uh, maybe you're in the ag barn, or you're on a trip or something, and, and uh, you know, just some of the behavior that, that people are doing, you know, that can be a very uncomfortable situation and I can just about promise you that there were probably people in that group with you that were just scared to step up and do what was right that when you did they followed you and they might not have done that if you had not stood up and done the right thing so that's commendable Anybody else? If you have a job and your boss asks you to step up and do something you're not comfortable with, and then it's not really about you because the other people in the group you serve for, all you can do is do your best at it and hope that everything else Absolutely. You know, God gives you certain abilities. He expects you to use those abilities to the best of your ability. You should do that, even in, in your, your life in this world. When a task is given, you do the best you can at it and temper it with Christianity so they can see a Christian doing that job. No matter what that job is in this world, you show them what a Christian looks like at, at work, and people will notice that. Ordinary people like to manage risk and uncertainty as much as possible. But great leaders must embrace uncertainty. They have to push forward toward the goal. And they have to accept some risk. God told Abraham in the beginning he was going to be outside his comfort zone. 
But more importantly, God told Abraham, I will show you. Abraham trusted God regardless of the uncertainty and the consequences. And we have to do the same thing. We have to trust God. This life is uncertain at times, but we, we trust in God. Everything's going to be okay. Even when Abraham was asked by God to do the unthinkable and sacrifice his promised son, Abraham obeyed God. Our complete trust in God should be our comfort zone. Then we can push forward with God by our side. Regardless of the uncertainty of the situation, with God by our side, we should be comfortable. I don't know why, but I'll open it up to you in this second, and you can tell us about it. God has provided us with his word that leads us in the direction we should go and allows us to embrace uncertainty confidently. As we really need, all we really need to know is if God is on our side, who can be against us? Let's look at Hebrews 11, 8 through 10. Hebrews 11, 8 through 10. No, it's actually Hebrews 8, sorry, 8 through 10. Because finding fault with him, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant. And I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people." If that doesn't give you comfort, I don't know what else does. We are God's people. He's there with us. And he loves us. We should be comforted by that. All right, Monty. Go ahead. I was just going to say, Moses, when the Lord came to Moses to lead the people, he didn't want to do it. Yeah. I did have him in my list, but I didn't figure two people on the comfort zone was going to do it, so I, I switched it up. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. Uh, Moses was way outside his comfort zone, and look at, look at the great things he did. Well, let's talk about David. Have you ever been up against something in your life that you may have thought would be impossible to achieve? 
Many of life's greatest accomplishments have been achieved because someone refused to be intimidated by the impossible. David is one of these leaders who faced a similar problem. He literally faced an actual physical giant. And David showed great courage as a leader. What is courage? We're all familiar with the scripture in Deuteronomy 31 and 6 that says, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave or forsake you. According to Webster's New World Dictionary, courage is defined as the attitude of facing and dealing with anything recognized as dangerous, difficult, or painful, instead of withdrawing from it. We need to understand that everyone is afraid at some point. We all have the, we all experience the emotion of fear. Courage is being able to overcome our feelings of fear and stepping out to do what we know is right. Courage is standing when everyone else wants to run. Speaking when everyone else is afraid to speak. Acting when everyone else is paralyzed by fear. And holding fast to one's character and moral uprightness when everyone else is tempted to compromise theirs. When explained as such, courage nearly seems impossible. The answer to fear and our source of courage is our faith and trust in God. David was not the greatest warrior Israel had to offer. He was far from it. David was a small shepherd boy at this point. But what David lacked in stature, he made up for in faith. He stood head and shoulders above the rest with his faith in God. David's brothers and King Saul showed a lack of confidence in, in God as they faced the giant. They did not have the faith that they needed in David either. But David knew who was in control of the battle's outcome. Let's read 1 Samuel 17, 33 through uh, 37. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by the beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, 
and the Lord be with you. David had the answer to the problem, and he saw it clearly. These great warriors that he was standing before, they couldn't see it. But this, this young, young man saw it more clearly than all these experienced war fighters. Let's look at verses 45 through 47. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with a sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Man, that's powerful. He was standing before this giant, and he was strong, and he was brave, because he knew God is going to do what he's done for me in the past. He's delivered lions and bears to me. He's going to deliver this giant to me too. We can be that kind of fearless leader by giving God control over our lives. David was not being a cocky or rude young kid. He was being a leader. Even though he was young, he was being a leader to these grown men. And all you young men can do the same thing. Be that leader. Don't let people discount you because of your age. You be that leader. He was confident God would give him victory as he did many times before. And let's, let's read 1 Corinthians 15 through 1557. It says, But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We know we're going to have the victory in the end because of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can have that confidence, just like David did. David literally faced a human giant, but giants come in many forms. We can easily face the giants in our lives with confidence, just as David did when he met Goliath, when we trust in the power of God. People in our lives, our friends of the world, and our Christian brethren Watch us to see how we face these problems or giants we encounter in our lives. Let's lead courageously like David and not be afraid to face our giants head on because we trust in God and his promises. We can do it. We can have that same strength. We can have that same courage. We can be that same leader because of the confidence we have in our God, the living God. Any comments? this word several times, but I think it bears repeating confidence, right? So humility uh, does not mean a lack of confidence, right? 
Right. If God is placing it before me, and I know God will not tempt me beyond that which I'm able to bear, then that means I should have confidence in this situation uh, that it can be overcome, whatever it is. And, and I think you asked earlier about what good leaders are, and people talked about humility and work alongside and love and care, but somebody who inspires confidence in others um, is one thing that I'd add to that. And that's, that was the case with David, too. David faced the giant, but then the rest of the army comes and defeats the Philistines, right? So his confidence that the Lord was with him was infectious to everybody else. Absolutely. Great point. Finally, how could we study biblical leadership and not talk about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? As a secular leadership philosophy, servant leadership is different from traditional leadership in that the goal of the leader is to serve. A servant leader shares power, puts the needs of the employees first, and helps people develop and perform as highly as possible. Instead of the people working to serve the leader, the leader exists to serve the people. This leadership philosophy is considered progressive and transformational in the world. But what many do not know or understand is that biblical leadership has always required servant leadership. This isn't a new concept. It's been around for ages. But many people in the world think it's something new and transformational. Servant leadership has been around a long time. Jesus is our perfect example of servant of a servant leader. Jesus' purpose in coming was to serve others. Let's uh, read Mark 10:45. It says, "For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many." He taught his disciples about power, humility, service, and focusing on the needs of others and not self. Service is motivated by love, and Jesus is the ultimate example of love. Because of that life he gave and the ransom for many. We find one of the examples that has always impressed me about Jesus in the washing of the disciples' feet. 
Now, the feet are one body part that can get dirtier than others. In the time of Jesus, the feet were probably more dirty than today because people wore sandals or they went barefoot and they walked everywhere. And I'm sure this had you know, something to do with why Jesus chose this perfect example. Uh, let's look at uh, John chapter 13, 3 through 17. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew he would betray him, and therefore he said, You are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Christian leaders humble themselves and are not afraid to serve at the lowest levels if needed. We see in verse 16, Jesus responds to Peter's disapproval of him, washing his feet in verse 8 by saying, Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who, who is sent greater than he who sent him. Now along the same line in my profession, we do a lot of firearms training. We shoot a lot of guns. Just part of it. And this causes a lot of brass to be deposited on the ground where you're shooting. You know, firearms training is fun or it is for me. I like to shoot guns. But picking up brass is not the fun part of firearms training. Picking up brass is a menial task often left to the lower-ranking officers. And I've been there. Typically, the upper, upper chain of command will just leave the mess when firearms training is over. You know, and I always thought, what a perfect chance for them to be a leader. What a perfect chance for them to get down there and pick up brass with the rest of us. 
So I'm a leader of a team now. And everybody picks up brass, even me. I roll my sleeves up, and I get down there and I pick up brass. I instruct my guys to never miss a chance to pick up brass. Because I can promise you the rank and file notice it, and they're going to respect you for that. Since the policy has been put in place, there's been a lot of positive results from that. And it's a seemingly small action, just picking up brass. But now the phrase, never miss a chance to pick up brass, has become an exhortation to my team in other circumstances where they understand that I'm encouraging them to lead by serving. I encourage all of us as biblical leaders to never miss a chance to pick up brass. Biblical leaders focus on serving those who follow them. In keeping with our original definition of leadership as our influence to lead someone to action, we must love and serve those over whom we have influence. This includes all with whom we come into contact with, our family, our friends, our brethren, our co-workers, our classmates, our enemies, and strangers. Let's strive to follow Jesus' perfect example of leadership as we work to serve others. Any comments on that section? Well, I have a list of takeaways from tonight's lesson, and I'm going to kind of recap just a little bit here. Uh, we'll kind of go through this little list, and then I'm going to turn it over to Barrett to say a few things. The Lord expects us to work and to continue to work until he returns. This includes working to be Christian leaders. And know the title of a leader is never given but earned. We do not have to be in charge to be a leader. We just have to influence others to action. In this way, we're all called to be leaders. Biblical leaders follow God's commands, even if they're alone in doing what is right. Biblical leaders trust God in uncertainty, even if it requires getting out of the, our comfort zones. Biblical leaders are courageous because of their faith in God. Biblical leaders focus on serving others. As these examples show us, people will follow leaders who they respect and they love and they work alongside because those same people have respected them and loved them and worked with them, not over them. Great leaders wash their people's feet and they help pick up brass. So don't ever miss an opportunity to do that. Just like our Lord and Savior did for us. Be the leader who will serve and sacrifice for others. Thank you.
excellent thoughts, Travis. Um, uh, I think, um, you know, the, the only thing I can add, um, a few things that uh, really, uh, uh, several things have already been mentioned, but, uh, um, you know, being a leader, uh, it, it's not easy, right? That sounds like a very, um, it's very evident. Um, but it's true. Um, so, you know, this afternoon, actually last night and this afternoon, um, oh, I guess since uh, Travis and I talked, um, I did a lot of reflecting about leadership. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I've just got a few quick points here, uh, really just three. Um, I thought of, um, you know, it's never too early to start being a leader. I'm not sure, you know, at what point in my life, uh, you know, probably through school, through high school. Honestly, it probably wasn't until I went to college and then on into the military where I really got serious about being a leader, okay? Um, just, I don't know, didn't maybe think too much about it. Um, and maybe the truth is I was leading in some small way, but I wasn't really cognizant of it. Um, but when I, I look at you young men, uh, you know, I think of, uh, I think you're already doing that. I think of Jacob when he gets up here and leads uh, the invitation from time to time. And he does an outstanding job. Uh, you know, I think of the pen boys, and I think of Garrett when you lead scripture, just reading scripture. Okay, that's being a leader. Um, and uh, Levi, you too. Everybody is, uh, you're, you know, you're being introduced to leadership roles by just coming up before the congregation and participating. Um, so my point to that is, you know, continue to do that. Continue to seek ways and opportunities to be a leader. Um, because with that, there are people that are watching you. Okay. And I don't mean like, you know, under the microscope. I mean younger people are watching. Okay. Um, and that goes for all of us. You know, we're all being watched by somebody in the example that we set, whether good or whether bad. Um, so, so be somebody worth watching. It's kind of the way I, I put it in my notes. You know? um, the second thing that, that come to mind about leadership and biblical leadership uh, is that you know, we have a wealth of knowledge around here. Uh, and what I mean by that is uh, we have so many great examples of, of folks that are, don't have to be older than you necessarily, but usually they are, um, and they have a wealth of experience. Uh, they have a wealth of knowledge, and not just in spiritual matters, but just you know, from age, um, we we don't need to be afraid to to tap into that. Okay, um, I'm guilty of that from time to time. Thinking, you know, I think we all are thinking, oh, I can handle that. I can do that. You know, I don't need to ask anybody's opinion or anyone's advice. Uh, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt to, uh, you know, the Bible says seek wise counsel, right? If you think about it, it just you know, it, 
it might help you make a, a wiser decision or the best decision. Uh, sometimes if you just slow down a little bit and uh, think, you know, who who could I who could I ask about this? Maybe get a second opinion before I make that decision or take that action. Okay. Um, and along with that, you know, if you show interest in someone, you know, carefully, I put carefully selecting your mentors. Um, if you ask somebody, they're they're gonna they're gonna become interested. They probably maybe already are interested in your well-being and your development as a Christian, as a leader. But they're believe me, if if you ask somebody their advice, what do you think about this? They're gonna become more interested. Okay, and they're going to devote, um, they're going to help you. They're going to devote time and energy into trying to, you know, to make sure you succeed. Okay, so so keep that in mind as a resource. Uh, and again, that that's not just for the for the young men here. That goes for all of us. Uh, there's always somebody. You know, we all look up to somebody. Um, and uh, so just keep that in mind as a resource. Um, I absolutely agree with the comments made about, you know, leaders are, uh, you know, in 28 years in the Marine Corps, I've had some really, really good leaders, and honestly, I've had some not-so-good leaders. But most of the time, leaders, um, leaders are not full of themselves, okay? They're humble people for the most part. Uh, they don't think too much of themselves. Uh, you know, nobody likes that kind of leader. And so, um, you know, as a Christian, I don't, we usually don't have that issue, okay? We're not, um, you know, uh, we're more, we're conservative and we're, we're humble most of the time or all of the time. Uh, so you don't run into folks in the church that, that are normally that are full of themselves or arrogant, if you will, um, because that's, you just want to run the other way when you run into a leader like that, somebody that, you know, just thinks they have all this power, and they really don't. You know, they're just, they're just thinking more of themselves than they should. Um, so, you know, leaders are humble. Leaders are consistent. We mentioned that. Um, they're, not, they're not, you know, hit or miss. They're very consistent. They follow through on what they say. Uh, and and hopefully they're you know they're fair and and they're they treat people right okay um, goes along with just basic you know Christian attributes things that that we should do every day um, you know Travis mentioned picking up brass <laughs> I'm very familiar with that uh, he's a, he's absolutely right. Um, your actions speak way louder, louder than your words. Um, my best example of that is, is um, you know, I was a lieutenant and I was in the middle of the Atlantic Sea on a deployment, and you know, I just I had my platoon, right? I, there was me and 50 Marines, and then we were supporting an infantry company, a much larger force, and uh, you know, one. One day in the, I mean, two o'clock in the hot afternoon, you know, everybody's running around the ship, going up to the uh, 
topside, and it was, we hadn't been out there long, but I didn't really know what was going on. And, you know, at the time, I was a young lieutenant, and uh, my company commander's like, hey, come on, you know, there's, there's a resupply going on. So we, even the officers all go up there, and we get in line, assembly line, you know, because uh, we got to eat too, right? And what better way to show kind of a servant leadership than, hey, you know, take your blouse off and get down into your skivvy shirt and start working. Um, and that's what all the officers did. And, you know, it's just little things like that that you remember. When you get out there in the hot sun and you just, you know, you work alongside your, your Marines and your men, and, and they don't forget that. They never forget that. Um, and so it's just the little things that we can do to, to show a good example. Um, and then the last thing is, um, I guess really going along with that same point, is leadership by example. Um, if, if there's one thing that's been drilled into my head in my many years in the military, it's that. Uh, you know, don't, don't ever ask somebody to do something that you wouldn't do yourself. And that pretty much goes for anything. Uh, a lot of times that's, you know, when, you, when you've been around and you get on up there and you think, uh, you know, that's kind of that's tough to do sometimes. But that's what true leadership is. Um, you know, if it comes down to it, if they know that you're willing to do that, then it's, it's a lot easier for you to ask them to do it, okay, because they've seen you do it before. And that's, that's exactly how they respond. They follow, they will follow their leader. Um, yeah. Um, one last example I have is, you know, people need to know that a leader cares about them. Um, when there's, you know, and I, and I, I tried to, I, I tried to emphasize, you know, from a spiritual standpoint, but Leadership for me, it's tough. It always goes back to the military in so many instances, but uh, just walking the line, meaning, you know, if you've got a defense perimeter set up and Marines have to stay up all night uh, to, be, to be on guard for an attack, um, it's, it's hard to stay up all night, even if you're, you know, four on, four off. Uh, but you, you walk around in the middle of the night, you know, and, and their officer sees them at 2 o'clock in the morning uh, and sits down and talks with them and just checks on them. Hey, how you doing? You know, how's your family doing you know, back home, whatever? Um, and you, it goes a long way with people. You know? They just want to know that, that, that you care about them and that you really do truly care about their well-being. Um, that's what true leadership's all about. You know, and that, that's, like we said, our greatest example is Christ and, uh, and what he's done for us. So, um, you know, there's a lot to leadership, but it's, it's never too early to start. Uh, just a, a simple thing, you know, go a long way. Okay. All right. Thank you.
But we looked at the three of, of the four that you talked about were very consistent. Abraham, David, and Newton, they followed. But yet they still made mistakes. And I think if I look at the people that I, I look up to, the people that I've learned the most from, are very godly men, but even when I see them make, make mistakes, when I know again about the big, but, but you see them make mistakes and I see their reaction. And I've learned jobs from me in that. for perfection. I know I'm not going to be perfect, but when I am not perfect, Lord, and I go back to that. Lord, they, they took charge and showed me what to do after the thing. We can't forget that. that you know, leadership is not a, doesn't mean you're perfect. What, what do you do after that? Yeah, those mistakes, they didn't allow that to define who they were. They picked themselves up and got back in the fight. And it also shows you the infinite wisdom of God. He sees people differently than we do. And he knows what you're about. Because he's all knowing. He knows. That's not really him. He made a mistake. He picked himself up and he moved beyond that. That's what we have to do. We're none of us perfect. Our Lord and Savior would not have had to die the way he did. And God sees that in us, that we are not perfect. He sees that only his son could make atonement for our sins. We should be forever grateful for his example and the type of leader he was and is every day of our lives. devoting himself to that righteousness. 
that level of righteousness. You know, it just just humbles me. It's such a huge weight. Do I devote the time, the kind of time that I need to be for a, the kind of husband, the kind of father, the kind of example for him, 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 her? You know, do I do that? You know, do I devote the kind of time in an education process for work? The people that look to me for work, that look to you for work, can they really look up to you if you don't know what you're talking about with, or know what you're doing in this type of situation? So I think we show our care, if you will, our love for each other. Time, and again, this is a huge time. You know, we've heard things well, people, kids. Love T-I-M-E, you know, and they, we've heard that before, but that's a huge thing for me. Is leadership, you, you see those that those those soldiers or those, those employees see you spend the time to do whatever that is. You know, I kick one of my employees out, no, I'm, I'll ride the ambulance to Houston in the middle of the night and take this patient, you know, you go home and get some sleep. Or whatever that is. they need us to be to the front of them because they need to we need to take care of them protect them provide all the resources they need in order to be better in the future better than us because at the end we need to provide all we can do for the best for them because in the future they'll be the fathers and they need to provide something better for them Children, what means we need to all the time be careful what we do, what we say, in order to learn the right for us. through their actions and their
words. May we look to your sacred truths and that we could find the ground in our hearts that, that would bring those truths to light in our hearts that would build up leaders and would cultivate the type of leadership that would not only grow within ourselves but grow within those people that look to us for leadership. Father, we pray that as we do these things that we would strengthen the church and the body of those that are around us to do and perform righteousness in all things. Father, we pray that we would lift each other up, recognizing that we are all imperfect, that we all struggle from time to time with temptation. May we look to our brothers in Christ for the strength and the leadership that each one can offer to the other. Forgive us of the things we do that are wrong, dear Father, and we pray that you would give us a home in heaven when our time here is done. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.